the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, March the 1st, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on March 1, 1954, four Puerto Rican nationalists opened fire from the Spectators Gallery in the U.S. House of Representatives. They wounded five members of Congress. Today in 1642, the first incorporated American city. What do you think that city, which one do you think it was? Probably New York City comes to mind. No, it wasn't. Today in 1642, York, Maine became the first incorporated American city. Today in 1780, Pennsylvania became the first U.S. state to abolish slavery. Today in 1781, the Continental Congress declared the Articles of Confederation to be in force following ratification by Maryland. Today in 1893, inventor Nikola Tesla first publicly demonstrated radio during a meeting at the National Electric Light Association in St. Louis. He transmitted electromagnetic energy without wires. You and I are actually having this conversation this morning because of Tesla. He discovered that. He didn't create it. God created it, but he discovered it. Today, in 1893, he demonstrated it. Today, in 1954, the United States detonated a dry-fuel hydrogen bomb. They codenamed it Castle Bravo. They set it off on a bikini atoll in the Marshall Islands. Today, in 1957, The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss was released to bookstores. Random House published it. Millions, tens of millions, I suspect, have been sold. Today, in 1961, President John F. Kennedy signed an executive order establishing the Peace Corps, or as Barack Obama would say, the the Peace Corps. He said that for a couple of years in office. Every time he saw C-O-R-P-S, Marine Corps, Peace Corps, I don't know. That's a Harvard education for you. Today, in 1968, Johnny Cash married June Carter, First Methodist. Methodist Church in Franklin, Kentucky, Associated Press says. I'm wondering if that wasn't Franklin, Tennessee. I don't know. I kind of knew June Carter. I interviewed her her several times on television over the years. She was a very nice person. Today in 1971, a bomb went off inside the men's room at the U.S. Capitol. Radical group Weather, uh, Weather Underground, they claimed responsibility for the blast, Weather Underground was co-founded or founded by Bill Ayers and his wife, actually. Bill Ayers and his wife, of course, launched Barack Obama's political career in their living room in Chicago. First fundraiser. Bill Ayers was a terrorist. And he continues to be. When asked years later, what did he think now? New York Times asked him. It was around 9-11. They said, what do you think about your past and bombing all these government buildings? He said, well, he said... My thought is we didn't bomb enough of them. One year ago today, health officials in Washington state announcing what was believed at the time to be the second U.S. death from coronavirus. 
They said the virus may have been circulating for weeks undetected in the Seattle area. And so it is. The coronavirus continues, but they say things are getting better. It seems like everything, the whole attitude changed on January 20 when Joe Biden stumbled into the the Oval Office. It seemed like everything changed. The news people, the network people are happy. They give happy reports now instead of that gloom and doom and scowl that we saw every night. It's 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock at night if we watched. Hopefully we didn't watch too much of it. But now things are upbeat. They're happy. Things are getting better. Interesting how things change, isn't it, in the news media? It's not really about the news. It's about teaching you and me what we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to say. House Democrats passed a huge spending package, as they call it, over the weekend. You probably, you may have heard that by now. It's $1.9 trillion. It's called a COVID-19 relief package. They voted early Saturday morning, $1.9 trillion. It's an interesting bill. I'm not going to take a lot of time on it, just to touch on it this morning. It's an interesting bill. It's called the American Rescue Plan. It was passed uh, 219 to 212 vote. Two Democrats voted against it, actually. No Republicans voted in favor. The key provisions of the proposal include $1,400 relief checks for Americans and $350 billion for state, local, and tribal government budgets. What that means in code is that the far-left-led cities, states, and tribal government budgets or tribal government governments are going to get bailed out because their policies are failing and they're going to get money because they need money and they do need money because they are failing because their policies are far left progressive. Interestingly enough, this humongous package that you and I are signing, I mean, we're paying the bill, the taxpayers, it also features an expanded tax credit. That's what they, uh, children's uh, tax credit. That's what they call it. It's $130 billion to help K-12 through schools reopen. Man, I didn't know it cost that much to reopen a school. Apparently, it does. I think you and I both know it doesn't. Senator Marsha Blackburn is, she's a good woman. I've never met her, but I'm certainly impressed with her. She has a very strong Christian faith. She's an excellent senator, Tennessee. She she was talking about it this morning. She was talking about the fact that she said all of this money, she said it's, a, it's just a boon for the left. She said they're filling every hole that they've created by overspending and their inability to manage. Arts and museums in this COVID-19. What does this have to do with COVID-19? Arts, museums, and libraries are getting $335 million. Pelosi has designated a subway in her district in, in San Francisco area. $112 million to build a subway. How does that, how does that fix or help or repay something related to coronavirus? I don't know. Neither does she. Nobody cares. The Republicans care. They voted against it, but there aren't enough of them. 
The services also include, I just took a glance at it, but I noticed this, services also include Planned Parenthood, $50 million. Climate justice? <laughs> I don't Have you ever heard of climate justice before? These guys keep coming up with these new words all the time. Climate justice. Does that mean it should be the same temperature all the time? Is that what we're seeking to be like nirvana or utopia or something? Climate justice? I don't know. Are we going to punish people? Maybe it's to punish people who pollute. But they won't punish China, I can assure you, if that's the case. But anyway, climate justice gets $50 million. And on and on it goes. And speaking of going on and on, over the weekend, the riots continue in Portland, Oregon. They vandalized several buildings, downtown Portland, Saturday night. One of the largest protests in weeks, local news is saying. Around 150 people. I saw some videos of it. It looked like a lot more than that. They hit an upscale area of downtown Portland, smashing windows, smashed Starbucks. They have a real thing about Starbucks. They always go after Starbucks. I would think they would like Starbucks because Starbucks philosophy seems to be very much or very close to some of these people that are out there rioting. I mean, they're very, very far left and have been. But they hit Starbucks, Chipotle, a bank, Umqua Bank, Urban Pantry, they tag many, many buildings with graffiti, and on and on it goes. But what they were protesting, they told the press, is Joe Biden's administration and his policy and the federal agency in immigration and customs enforcement. It sounds like Trump. I think the left thought once they got rid of Trump and got Biden in there, that everything would kind of calm down. But these people, it's not about Trump or Biden. It's about them. It's about a spirit of lawlessness. It's about a spirit of godlessness and lawlessness. And that's what we're seeing today. And that was manifest again. And it will apparently continue as we continue this march through life. Pilgrim's Progress. Last Thursday, the Democrat-led House passed the so-called Equality Act. That, too, is on the table. Both the budget bill and the Equality Act are now with the Senate beginning this week. It's in the hands of the Senate to see what they will do. Should they approve both or either, they will become law. But the Equality Act will enshrine homosexual and transgender protections in our nation's labor and civil rights law while it crushes religious freedom. The act, as I said, is with the Senate now. President Joe Biden has promised that homosexual activists, he's told them many times, in fact, that he'll sign the Equality Act in the first hundred days in office. Well, he's been in office, what, about, what, 30, 40? I don't know, January 20 to present. The depth to which the left, though, is willing to sink to pass this perversion of God's created order is stunning, at least to me, I hope it is to you as well. Former President Trump spoke at CPAC yesterday. I want to talk about that for a moment today. In fact, let me just tell you briefly what he said yesterday. He made his kind of his return to the political arena. He was a fired-up speech for sure. He slammed the five-week-old Biden. Okay, it's five, week, five weeks old then. The five-week-old Biden administration, making it clear he has no intention of going away quietly, 
He didn't announce plans, though, to run for the White House, but he didn't say he wasn't going to. He did say that he wasn't going to start a third party. Some people have been advocating that. Some people have been saying that he was. He said he's definitely not. He said, why would I do that? But he did take on a number of Republicans whom he called Republicans in name only or rhinos. Talked about that a little bit, called some of them by name, Liz Cheney and others who really haven't performed according to the platform of the Republican Party. He left hanging the question, though, of whether he sees himself becoming the standard bearer in the next presidential race. He said, quote, together in the coming years, we will carry forward the torch of American liberty. We will lead the conservative movement and the Republican Party to a totally conclusive victory. And we've had tremendous victories. Don't ever forget it. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And Trump said, quote, and I wonder who that will be. (laughs) I wonder who that will be. I'm quoting him. Who, who, who will that be? I wonder. This all happened at CPAC. It's a it's a um, the largest conservative meeting annually in America. It's the conservative political action group. And um, it's a big deal. They took a straw poll there. They do every year. And Trump was favored in the straw poll. He led the list of potential 2024 primary candidates. He had 55% of the vote. Some of the far left and some, well, like, uh, well, several people that were in his administration, not just one, um, they're, that don't like him anymore, they're really criticizing him because he only got 55%. They're making a big deal out of that, and the media is honoring them with reporting it every word this morning because the media wants that message out there from Republican-type people who don't like Trump. But anyway, they're criticizing him because he only got 55% of the vote. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis got 21%, and Governor Kristi Noem, the governor of South Dakota, she got 4%. 95% of the respondents said that they want the GOP to continue advancing Trump's agenda and his policies, and then they take a second vote. They do this every year. They take a second 2024 presidential primary uh, poll, and they exclude the one that was number one, in this case it was Trump, from the list of this potential candidates in this second vote. In the second vote they took, and as I said, they do this every year. It wasn't unique to this year. This was won by DeSantis, 43%. He's the governor of Florida. That was followed by Nome, governor of South Dakota. She was 11%. No other name made double digits, but Donald Trump Jr. received 8%. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo received 7%. And Senator Ted Cruz of Texas got 7%. So in the speech, Trump rejected any notion of plans for a new party because he said it's just silly, it's crazy. He said insane, I think is the word he used to do that. He said, we're not starting new parties. He said that would be a gift to the Democrats, and it would be for sure. But he did not close the door on running for president again. But he did make sure that everyone understood he is not going to go away quietly, and he's going to help as many Republicans as possible, conservative Republicans, get elected. This bill, the Equality Act, is one of the worst bills, the most tragic, the most assaulting on religious liberty that I've seen in my lifetime come out of our American U.S. Congress. 
Three Republicans joined the Democrats in voting yes on it. The three Republicans were John Cato, he's a Republican from New York, Tom Reed, no, not that Tom Reed, all of you listening on ACN, no, 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 it's not him, not Tom. This Tom Reed is from New York as well. He's a Republican, though. He says he is. And Brian Fitzpatrick, he's a Republican from Pennsylvania. They all voted with the Democrats on this thing. I, it's amazing to me, but they did. I don't know what they'll say to the real Republicans when they go home to get reelected, but they'll have to work that out, I guess. But this bill really reflects the godless worldview of the left. During the debate on the Equality Act in the House, a number of Republicans stepped up to the microphone this last week and on the record said that the bill creates a right to kill unwanted babies, force Americans to pay for the abortions, and they accuse Democrats of ignoring biblical values, which have been a fundamental part of our culture. There were enough Republicans, a number of them, in fact, who had the courage to step up and say that on the record because it's true. Part of the debate over the pro-abortion nature of the bill revolved around sex and gender issues. During that part of the debate, Representative Greg Stubbe, he's a Republican from Florida, he stepped up to the mic and after confirming that God made boys and girls unique, this is a a U.S. um, senator, a representative, and uh, he's on the record of the House of Representatives. He said, God made boys and girls unique. And he said, quote, men and women claim to be able to choose their own sexual identity. They're making a statement that God did not know what he was doing when he created them. And he continued, the gender confusion that exists in our culture today is a clear rejection of God's good design. He said, whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. He said, I'm concerned. He said, we're seeing the consequences of rejecting God here in our country today. Well, Representative Nadler, who heads up the Judiciary Committee now, he had had enough. He strode to the podium with great determination. I saw this on video, and it's important that I tell you that I saw it personally on video because most of the video has been scrubbed, and you can't find that video now on social media. I mean, maybe you can, but I couldn't find it. And I'm pretty good at following up on stuff. But anyway, he strode to the podium and he declared to Congress and the world that I'm quoting him. I have his quote in the text and I have it. I I saw it on video and before I could save it, they had scrubbed it. But what he said were these words. And the media is trying to downplay this and say, well, that's not exactly what he said today. There's a number of articles out there today. This is exactly what he said. He said, quote, on the record in the U.S. House of Representatives, he said what any religious tradition describes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. Those are stunning words. He himself is a Jew, obviously not a practicing one. It's stunning that he would feel so strongly toward expressions about God in his natural order that he would come and make a, make a statement on the record that God's will and God's way is of no concern to this Congress. But he did. I'm not the only one that caught that. Ed Vitagliano, he's the executive vice president of American Family Association. He said, I quote, the Democratic Party run by secular progressives in this country are in love with the sexual revolution. He said they're openly hostile to religious liberty because according to Romans 1, these are folks who hate God and hate his created order. 
So anything that is in open rebellion to that created order, such as homosexual activity, the destruction of gender norms, which are clearly rooted in biology, he said anything like that is a is representative of the way God has created mankind is going to be in the crosshairs. He said, we're expecting the Equality Act, if it passes the Senate, will be used to bludgeon religious liberty in this country in ways undreamt of by most Christians. Christina Holcomb, she's an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, she said, we see the possibility that people of faith could be forced to promote messages that violate their deeply held religious convictions. We could see people of faith eliminated from the foster and adoption care agencies. She said doctors and nurses' rights of conscience. Potentially, even parental rights could be implicated and their right to pass on their religious convictions to the next generation. In other words, control over what we teach our children. How would they control the children? By prompting them when they're locked into public classrooms to tell the teacher what their parents are teaching them so the the teacher can pass this on to authorities and they can take action against the parents. You say, Gary, that it's not... Yes, it is. That's where this is going. I've said it before. If you listen to this program regularly, you know I spent time in third world countries building, starting churches, building churches all over the world. I've seen this. It's normal in third world countries. I never thought I'd see the day when we would be walking down this path. The government, far left agencies, government agencies, beginning to intrude even in parental authority, and this isn't the first time. Leaders at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, they wrote lawmakers last week to say they have grave concerns about this bill. Please don't pass it. Speaking of Catholics, President Biden is said by some to be the most religious president in the past 50 years. I've mentioned that before. Well, this Father Jerry uh, Pekorsky, I think that's how you pronounce his name, he's a Catholic leader, Man, is he upset. He wrote a message over the weekend, and I don't have time to go through all of it, but let me just share a piece of it with you. Pekorsky wrote in his, he called it a message. I think that means like a sermon, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not a Catholic, so I don't get all of their descriptions. But he titled it, In Gratitude for Joe Biden. But it was not complimentary. He was very upset about these same issues. He talks about in his message the sacraments. I read the whole thing. It was it was very interesting. It was very sincere, very open, and pretty direct. He talks about the sacraments, Christ's love, birth, baptism, marriage, of course, Mary, mother of Jesus, anointing the sick, the beauty of God's handiwork. Then he turns in his message to sin and evil. And he he's direct regarding Joe Biden's claims of being a devout Catholic. He said, no, he isn't. This father, he says, Biden supporters repeatedly claim that he is a devout Catholic. He said in 2005, Biden himself protested those who questioned his Catholicism. He said, quoting Biden back in 2005, he said, the next Republican that tells me I'm not religious, I'm going to shove my rosary beads down their throat. This Catholic leader quotes Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says of Biden, this Catholic priest, quote, 
In less than a month after his inauguration, he celebrated the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and he says, quote, for most of his political life, from his consistent pro-abortion record to his officiating at a gay wedding in 2016, Joe Biden has magnified and institutionalized countless major violations of the Ten Commandments. The hypocrisy rivals that of the chief priests and the Pharisees and is worthy of the same condemnation. Indeed, Biden is the most aggressively anti-Catholic president in history. And he notes that President Biden is choosing a number of Catholics, like himself, to serve in his administration, but he said, all of them are not authentic Catholics. They claim one thing and practice something very different. He concludes, his last sentence is this, if only for the clarity this brings to the church, we have Joe Biden to thank. There's a parallel in history, and let me leave you with this today. History always has parallels, particularly the history that is part of the Bible, which is not a book of history. It is the inspired, infallible word of God. But about 2,500 years ago, the prophet Jeremiah found himself in a culture that was continually giving verbal assent to various forms of godliness while practicing a lifestyle of godlessness. If asked, claiming, do you know God? Of course, I believe in God, but not adhering to his word. In chapter 36, and I wish I had more time, but let me leave you with this. Chapter 36, Israel is kind of a snapshot of today in America, 2021. While Jeremiah continued faithfully to prophesy the word of the Lord, the people rejected it. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. People ignored the truth. Sometimes they even attacked him. He got beat up on a fist fight. He didn't fight back, but he got beat up on. It's in the book of Jeremiah. In 36, he's in a dungeon, a pit because of his message that God would punish the nation if they continued on their current path. Well, in the chapter, we see Jeremiah call his scribe or his secretary, Baruch, saying, I am confined. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. So you go there and read the words I've dictated, which he did. The secretary did as he was asked to do by the prophet Jeremiah. The story tells how when the people heard these words, they got very fearful. I'm paraphrasing here and covering a lot of ground in a short time. So they said, the king needs to hear these words. I mean, our leaders need to know about this. So they said, we're going to put this, read this to the king. But they took the real scroll and hid it. And they took the words of Jeremiah, not the scroll itself, before the king, Jehoiakim. And the Bible says when the king began to hear these words that he did not approve of, he took the scribe's knife and began cutting pages from the scroll that were unacceptable to him and casting them into the fire. By the end of the reading, the king had cut out almost all the pages of the scroll and destroyed them in the fire. And the king commanded his people to seize Baruch and Jeremiah. However, Scripture says, and I quote the Scripture, but the Lord hid them. The parallel here is easy to see. We live in the same kind of a culture. People are claiming to be religious, claiming to be the most religious president in 50 years and all this kind of thing. I mean, that's what's being said of Biden. I don't know that he said that, but I think he thinks that. And yet they are ripping pages out of the Bible that don't conform to their perverse worldview. And that's the great tension. That's the great divide that we see 
in our culture today. Well, we'll continue this conversation tomorrow, so thank you for being with me, and thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you right here tomorrow.